So You Talk to Cows podcast, a podcast for anyone who has ever been asked if they talk to cows, corn, or any other commodity. I'm Erica Earlbeck, a lifelong agricultural communicator. On each show, I interview someone who has made it their life's work to communicate to and advocate for our nation's farmers and ranchers. We learn new ways to communicate, classic techniques that always work, and we try to predict that next big thing for our industry. In this episode, we're visiting with Dr. Vikram Balega. He is the Texas Tech University Greenhouse and Horticultural Gardens Manager. He's also a horticulture lecturer in the Department of Plant and Soil Science. He is a scientist, but he's also a very, very good communicator. Vikram, welcome to our show. And let's start by just telling me about you, your career, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so... um, my life story. Yeah. So I, uh, I was one of these common stories where I started in engineering and I'm bad at calculus. And so <laughs> I, uh, I grew up gardening and, and when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do after that, I thought horticulture would be fun and way less stressful. And that has mostly been true, well, mm-hmm. you know, like 80% true. Um, and then, yeah, now I am a I'm currently a lecturer of horticulture, and then I run the greenhouse and gardens on uh, campus here at Texas Tech. And so we have about 20,000 square feet of teaching greenhouse, and then about three and a half acres of horticultural gardens. So I oversee that, and I teach intro horticulture and um, do some podcasting stuff and outreach stuff and kind of all plants all the time. Cool. Yeah, you know, I've seen several times that uh, people get into gardening and horticulture because it's a lot cheaper than therapy. So I think that probably is less stress than doing engineering. Uh, yeah, I, I made it about a year in engineering and decided that, well, uh, myself and the College of Engineering decided that that was probably not for me. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, but the horticulture people were very nice. So yeah, they, you know, most ag people are. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so you have a very active presence on social media. What prompted you to, to do so? So in my last life, in my career before this, I was a county extension agent. Um, here in Lubbock County for about four years. And it's, uh, I was a horticulture agent, which is very much like an urban position. Like I didn't do stock shows. I didn't do uh, a lot of 4-H stuff. I was mostly working with homeowners and doing like conservation education, like water conservation education and uh, working with small producers, things like that. And um, when I was getting into it, which would have been what, 2014-ish, I noticed that we didn't really, as an agency, have a lot of good, like, county-level social media stuff. Like, at the time, it was mostly still Facebook and a little bit of Instagram, and those were sort of the big players in this type of social media space. And so I started a Facebook account for the the Lubbock County Horticulture Mm -hmm. uh, Extension stuff, and it started to go pretty well. And... um. What was weird about my position is I had a lot of like media responsibilities anyway. Like I was a regular weekly guest on two radio shows for like two and a half years. And I ended up doing a lot of TV news. And like, I was probably on one of the local news outlets at five in the morning, like once a month. And, uh, 
yeah super fun um <laughs> which which was at the time I was like you know why am I I think my second day of work one of my coworkers was like hey we're gonna go be on the radio and I was like I don't what I don't want to like I don't I don't want you to do that <laughs> um and so I kind of realized that like we can have like sort of x amount of impact through traditional media or sort of theoretically limitless impact through social media there's not really a bounds on how many people you can reach and how often it can be shared and sort of the return on investment was great right like i could spend 5 minutes shooting a video and maybe 5000 people would see it mm-hmm. or i could spend 3 weeks planning an in person program and like nine people come and two of them don't want to be there and so like I think just the return on the investment and the potential impact of social media as a educational tool and an outreach tool is just so massive that we, I didn't feel like I could ignore it and be doing my job well. Good, good. And then, uh, so then you, you took over, when, when you started working at the Texas Tech Greenhouse, did you immediately start uh, working on its social media presence? Did it have a presence and you just took it over or how, how did that work out? You know, I think th- there may have been at one point a presence, but I sort of had done some searches at the time and it was pretty minimal. Um, so I just actually just started a new account, um, both on, on Facebook and Instagram when I started here. And uh, it's kind of, I mean, they're both, they're not huge accounts, but I've got a few thousand followers on each one. And, and, and we tend to have very engaged followings with our greenhouse stuff. Um, people like to see flowers and they like to see like what we do when we educate students. And um, a lot of students follow it too, which is a mixed bag. <laughs> you know, it's sort of a mixed blessing, but um, it is good outreach for the greenhouse. You know, we do plant sales, we do community events, and most of our marketing is just through social media. Awesome. Good. And then, uh, so the, the planthropology you know, name on social media, your podcast, and then TikTok and everything like that. Um, walk us how that walk us through how that started and um, what what you started with and where you are now with it. Yes. <laughs> so this is, you know, I, this is a thing that I probably admit out loud more than I should. Um, I started it in like fall of 2019. And I was like, right in the middle of writing my dissertation. And <laughs> I didn't want to, like, I was so overwhelmed that I needed a creative outlet to like, so my brain would not dissolve. And also, um, uh, Dr. Ritchie was coming on as our new department chair at the time. And one of the things that he talked about a lot when he um, was interviewing and going through the process was that he wanted to sort of close this feedback loop in academia of where we, you know, essentially we gatekeep information a little bit. We get all this information that we generate with public funds. And then it ends up getting paywalled and the people that paid for it don't hear it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so like things like this are good ways to take at least little bits of that and sort of put it out there and give the product back to the people that paid for it. And so like when we talk about just ag communication and science communication, I think the publicly available sort of portion of that is really important. And so I was actually uh, having a conversation up here at the greenhouse with a friend one day who had just come to visit, an uh, old friend from grad school. And we were talking about um, sort of some indigenous plants of this area and the indigenous peoples of this area and how they manage plants and all this stuff, just having a kind of nerdy conversation. 
Um, and I kind of jokingly said, oh, this would be an interesting podcast. And we both kind of laughed like, haha, yeah, whatever. And then several months later, it's like that fall. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I, it never went away. And I was like, oh, this kind of would be an interesting podcast. So the, the basic idea is that like, it's about nature and the environment and sort of our human connection to it. So I interview people in the industry, uh, on the communication side, in the industry side, research, students, kind of really anyone who will talk to me uh, <laughs> about like what they do and, and why they do what they do and why they're passionate about it. Um, and on the other side of that, I think sometimes the question we don't answer well for our students is the, the why, the, mm -hmm. the now what. Um, you know, we teach them for four years, we get them graduated, like, oh, you can go to grad school, or you can do this or that. But I think the question sometimes we struggle to answer is, in 15 years, like, are you still going to love what you're doing? Like, are, are, is this, like, where are you going to be? And so being able to hear from people who have been doing the thing for, you know, whether it's one year or 30 years, I think is really helpful for students to listen to and be like, oh, no, I do see myself as, you know, someone who retires in this field or who works in this field for a while. Um, and I think that, again, is another very important piece of our job as educators, as college educators, is to answer that now what, or where do you go from here or, or whatever. Yeah, good, good. So do you, uh, do you have a strategy for the social media that you do? Um, and if so, what is it? So I, I, I take a, a sort of a different strategy where I think a lot of times when we have a brand we're trying to build, it ends up being kind of like maybe more formal than it needs to be. Um, but, but specifically with podcasting and a lot of social media, something that I realized not too long ago is that like, I'm not talking to a crowd of people. I'm talking to one person at a time. And yeah. what, whether one person listens or 10,000 people listen, like I can't imagine something more uncomfortable than sitting in a room with a bunch of people and listening to a podcast. Like that's terrible. It's horrifying to think about. <laughs> and, so, and, and so like we, we, talk to one person at a time. And so the way I run my social media is kind of the same way. Like it's, yeah, it's the Planthropology brand, but it's me. Like I'm, I'm the, like, I, it's just me. Like I post things that I think are interested, but interesting, but then are, or funny or whatever, but that are related to um, either the podcast or the field in general. Like, I think the the most boring social media accounts are like, a podcast or a show or a business that all they ever post about is like, here's my new episode or guess what's coming up. Like, I, I don't mm. care about that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to follow that. I want to follow a person. Um, and so like I post a lot of stuff, especially on Twitter, that's just sort of off the cuff, like plant jokes or dad jokes or like crossover posts from my TikTok or whatever. And um, I have found a lot of success through that. And more than that, I found um, sort of a listener base and a follower base that if I take a break for three months, they don't go away. Like, like cool. I, I kind of got a little burned out and I was going to take like last summer off and it ended up being like most of the second half of last year that I took a break from posting new episodes. And I was really afraid that like when I came back, I would post like a new one, whenever that was, and like have lost half my following. And that really wasn't the case. Like people stuck around, I think, because the connection wasn't just with the show, it was with the whole sort of brand and persona around it. 
And what have you found that works well for you with your social media? What what has been most effective? Um, I think things like people want to see people. Um, so like I, you may not believe it, but I hate putting my big goofy face on the internet. I hate doing it, but I do it a lot because <laughs> like people are going to be more likely to respond to that and, and react to that. So um, I have found like, what I've started doing, which has actually been really effective. Like when I post a new episode of the show or whatever, for a while, I would post like a thread on Twitter or a post on Twitter that was like a picture of the guest and just like, this is what the show's about, blah, blah, blah. But what I've started doing now is pulling out one of the topics. And my first like tweet in that thread is not about the show necessarily, but about that topic. So recently I had a, um, a, an episode about black apples, like uh, Arkansas black and a couple of different varieties of apples that have like a, like a dark purple skin. Mm-hmm. And instead of like just posting a, there's a new episode out this week. Um, my first tweet was a picture of the apple and like a tweet about, have you ever seen an Arkansas black apple before? This is kind of what they are and what they do. And then the second tweet in the thread was like, if you want to hear more about them, like, check out this episode of Planthropology. And I got like five times as much engagement on that format as I did on just, here's my new episode. Because people were like, oh, this is interesting. I'm kind of hooked. I might be interested in listening to the show. And so I found that to be a really um, like effective way of marketing these kinds of things is instead of just opening up with your sales pitch, like give them some value added up front. Like I'm going to learn a new thing. Here's something that's interesting and fun. And then once you've got them on the hook, then you can like, oh, here's, by the way, here's a link to the episode or here's a link to my service or my business or whatever else. Like make it more than just a billboard. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's something helpful or informative. Yeah. Yeah. Useful. Um. With your TikTok videos, which I crack up at each time, <laughs> especially when you're making fun of other TikTok videos, I love that strategy. <laughs> um, but just, uh, do you use those to? Is it the purpose of those to promote your podcast, or just to, or just to be a, a source of information on on horticulture? More the second. Um, you know, for a while when I first started, I was like, "Oh, this will be a great way to promote the podcast," and it really wasn't. Because again, like I would post a clip from the show and people don't, people don't want a sales pitch, I think up front. So what I've started doing is I'll make a TikTok that's again, maybe about a topic um, that we covered in the show. And at the end, I'll be like, Hey, if you thought this was interesting, check out the most recent episode of Planthropology or check out episode number, whatever. But a lot of times I don't even talk about it at all. Like I have my link parked in my bio um, for the show and other stuff. And then I just talk about general interesting horticulture stuff or funny stuff. And then, um, again, it sort of builds a community first of people that are either like-minded or like the type of material I put out there. And then at some point, then I can hit them with, Oh, by the way, I have a podcast and I get much better uptake that way than just by like, this is all clips from my show or all directly podcast related. I think anymore with social media, we have to look at it as overall branding rather than just like 10 years ago, it probably would have worked for me to put like just a clip up. I think that the landscape was very different. Um, But now 
it doesn't it doesn't seem to work very well. I think you kind of have to give them a very different value proposition before you ever try to like sell them on anything. Yeah, yeah. What doesn't really work well for you in your social media? Um, I have found personally, like, so I have some sort of some like hard lines in my brain where I, I will sort of like poke fun at other like content out there, especially like some of these five minute crafts and just ridiculous nonsense where they're like trying to, you know, graft a banana to a potato or something. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's funny because I'm not really exaggerating when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'll kind of poke fun at that a lot because it's a big sort of faceless, like, account right it's like this big media company that is putting out like purposeful nonsense um but i really won't i try my best not to go after like smaller creators that way okay uh, so like if there's another either tiktoker or someone uh or on instagram hey, wherever uh, someone on twitter that's posting something that i'm like um this is kind of silly but they're like just a person trying to do the thing uh, usually I'll kind of not leave that alone unless it's maybe promoting something harmful. Um, and then I don't mind addressing that because people do believe what they see. Uh, mm -hmm. and if you see someone doing like something potentially dangerous, like eating like random things out in the forest, like without proper knowledge, like that's a problem. Uh -huh. And I don't mind going after that. Um, and so like, I have found that again, when I, post like kind of static content that's not very interesting that's more just like here's my brand here's what I do here's my podcast or my business or whatever it doesn't seem to go well for me personally just because that's not my overall strategy that's not what people are used to mm -hmm. um, and then also even if it would which it probably would just knowing the the state of social media like like I try to do everything from sort of a fun standpoint like I, I, I'm trying my best not to ever be like mean about some of the critiques I put out there. Like it's, it's supposed to be just goofy and fun. Um, and I know there's a line you can cross and probably get a lot more traffic and a lot more views because people tend to comment and focus on things like that. But it's also something that I'm not willing to do because um, I don't want to put more of that out there. Right. Yeah. Good. That's good strategy. So. Yeah. Uh, so in your job, you're, you're an instructor, uh, you're a greenhouse manager. Um, and so there, there are so many people, so many scientists that just won't communicate. They're like, that's not my job. My job is to be an instructor or a researcher or a greenhouse manager, but you're doing it and you're doing a really good job of it. So please tell everybody whose job is primarily not communications that they too can be a communicator. And um, so just, just be a word of encouragement for those people. Well, first, I appreciate that. That actually means a lot because I, I I do quite a bit of it and it seems sometimes like just screaming into the void. So like, <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. Um, I think that for one, I know that there's not a lot of training on it. Uh, like, you know, and, and it's not necessarily one of the metrics by which we're generally judged in our professional lives as academics. But right. I also yeah. think that like, how do we, my, the way that I look at it is like, how do we build a better industry? How do we build a more equitable and effective academic institution? And I think the way to do that is not the way we've been doing it for 500 years of, you know, let's circle the wagons, let's only do what we do, and let's not talk to anyone outside of it. I think, like, 
I, I think it's maybe not well understood sometimes how much public will affects our lives as academics. Like if there's not the public public will or you know, to, to keep funding science, to keep funding research, to keep funding collegiate education, that sort of works its way up into the decision makers who uh, set our budgets and sign our paychecks and fund our grants and all of that. And I think that we have maybe as a, as a academic industry, so to speak, not done a great job, especially in recent years of being available for the people that have questions that are uh, just interested in general, like, I think that it can be scary. And maybe it's just that I'm pretty extroverted, my personality lends itself to this. But I think that it doesn't have to be like, what I do of like making silly TikToks about your research, you could write a, a short blog post and put it up, you know, you could, um, maybe instead of always writing papers, or after you write a paper for a, a peer reviewed journal, do something with the same information that's more either extension style or um, like in a, in a science mag kind of style that still is good science. It's still vetted well, because maybe it's already something that you've already published, but then it, it, that gets out to the people again, that paid for our research. And, and, and I think that's really important. And I think, so you don't have to like, again, go out and go sort of, all out like I've done, like just just start somewhere. Uh, maybe maybe look at some more publicly available journals um, that we can submit things to. Maybe work with your local extension folks to get information out. Be willing to go speak at a program. Go, you know, um, uh, when when that news reporter calls you because they need a story on whatever it is that you're doing. By the way, those those folks don't get paid well, and they work really really hard. And so if, if, a, if a reporter ever calls me, I do whatever I can if I'm at all able to like help them meet their deadline or be a resource for them. And, and it can be a little scary, but at the same time, like it's ultimately, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that um, just starting somewhere and taking little steps into sort of the public education or public communication side of our our work is, is really important and it's really rewarding in the long run. Good, good. Well, those, those are all the, uh, the scripted type questions I had for you. And uh, so now I'm going to do a quick fire round of questions. So it's just uh, five questions that are short questions with a one to five word answer. Okay. Okay. All right. So question number one, what is your favorite social media site to use? Right now, Twitter, actually. Okay. Shockingly, I know. <laughs> what do you wish you were good at? Basketball. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, honestly, uh, time management. <laughs> I wish okay. I was better organized. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, what is your pet peeve? Oh, uh, uh, a podcast with like real bad audio. Okay, good, good. Okay, now I'm paranoid. <laughs> no, like you actually have a microphone. Like I've heard some shows where it looks like it sounds like they're recording on a cell phone sitting 15 feet away from them. And that's, that, that drives me crazy. Are. Yeah, they probably are. Um, what is your favorite thing to teach? 
Ooh, sustainability. Okay, good, good. And then last thing, what is, uh, what is a good piece of advice that, uh, that somebody told you that you found to be particularly helpful? Uh, honestly, uh, don't be a jerk. Like someone like on social media, just in general, just, just don't be a jerk. Pretty, pretty simple. And those are pretty good last words for us today. Thanks so much to Vikram Balega for joining us on the podcast today. You can find him all over social media. He also has a podcast and it's really good, Planthropology. Um, it's where in a lot of places where you can find podcasts and there's also an accompanying website. Thanks so much, Vikram, for joining us and thank you for listening. So You Talk to Cows is produced by me, Erica Erlbeck, with production support from the Department of Agricultural Education and Communications at Texas Tech University. Follow me on Instagram at Erica underscore Erlbeck. That's E-R-I-C-A underscore I-R-L-B-E-C-K. For more information on careers in agricultural communications, find my department at depts.ttu.edu slash ag ed.